Hello everyone, you're watching the 10th episode of Green New Perspective, a podcast dedicated to sustainability. Today we're thrilled to be joined by Joni Pedersen, a forward-thinking expert in the world of sustainable building materials. Joni is the Growth Operations Specialist at Hempitecture, a company that uses industrial hemp to create sustainable building products that are better for the environment and for people. So in this episode, Joni will share her insights on the challenges and opportunities of building a sustainable business, the role of hemp in a circular economy, and the potential of sustainable construction to transform our communities. Join us and let's begin. Hi, Joni. Welcome Hi. to the Green New Perspective podcast. Thank you for taking your time time to be here um, and talking with me um, and with our audience, I hope. Um, Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am with Hempitecture. We are a public benefit corporation. Um, we're on a mission to use plant-based resources to replace toxic, carbon-intensive, and synthetic materials used in industries such as construction. And by designing, manufacturing, and distributing bio-based thermal insulation like pro uh, products like hemp wool insulation, um, we're kind of paving the way in materials having people and planet top of mind, including the many benefits such as reduced embodied carbon, improved health in homes, and increased sustainability across multiple industries. Can you start by telling us about the current state of the building industry um, and what you believe to be its main problems? Um, we've seen a lot in the last few years, right? Like we've seen, especially here in the States, we've seen a booming real estate market, a stagnant real estate market, a lot of uh, building going on, a lot of pausing on building because of supply chain demands and just different things that have happened over the last uh, few years. Um, but something that's really important to us uh, here at Hempitecture um, and some of the main problems that we're seeing is that in this climate decade that we're kind of facing right now, um, you know, there's a lot of push to make all of these new buildings net zero by 2030 and the whole life cycle net zero by 2050. Um, so that means reducing the impact of the built environment on global emissions. Um, but that also means that we need to account for the embodied carbon of the materials and construction processes associated with buildings. Um, so for people that aren't familiar with that, um, when we talk net zero energy, net zero means that like all of the energy in the home um, isn't using like fossil fuels or uh, other extractive resources to use and create energy for power, electricity, what have you. Um, whereas embodied carbon means that you're looking at the entire life cycle of not just the building, but the materials that go in it. So where are those materials sourced from? How far do they have to travel? Um, what is the manufacturing process? And then what is the end of life use? Um, so, you know, progress in the built environment um, kind of is falling behind, if I'm going to be honest, um, in sector-related energy demand emission and emissions. Um, so uh, especially as we continue to grow um, in demand for heating, ventilation, air conditioning, HVAC systems, appliances, construction rises, um, meaning that a lot of these products still rely really heavily on those fossil fuels. Um, so we can't really hit those net zero adopting ambitious energy efficiency measures um, without, uh, you know, the first step in a um, the company's or the customer's journey in decarbonizing um, those spaces. 
um, <laughs> energy optimization, reducing cost um, and emissions while increasing productivity of the environment, quality in the workplace. Um, so globally, energy efficiency can improve or achieve more than 40% of energy-related emission cuts needed to reach climate goals by 2040. So you guys are making um, insulation. Yes. So how does the traditional insulation impact the environment and human health? Insulation can play a really impactful role both um, on the environment for people and the building itself. And also just uh, these goals that we're trying to to reach um, for energy efficiency improvements, right? So insulation is a good thing for building, um, you know, and insulation can be made from natural or synthetic fibers. It can come in so many different forms, um, but some types of insulation can contain chemical flame retardants, formaldehyde, other volatile organic compounds or VOCs, um, all of which can um, pose health risks uh, for both the people that are installing the material, but also the people that can reside in those buildings, depending on um, how that material was installed, if it was chemically formulated correctly, if it was uh, placed in correctly um, in the building, and just the, the lifespan of those materials can also deteriorate. So you don't want those volatile compounds going into the air. Um, so you know, it's kind of this double-edged sword, right? A well-insulated home leads to less use of our heat and cooling devices, which again leads to less CO2 emissions in a much cleaner and better preserved environment. Um, but it is important to note that some of these products may not be eco-friendly and are highly efficient when it comes to their thermal performance. So the negative environmental impact uh, can be compensated with that high energy efficiency, but yeah, it really depends on the importance of health and and uh, the, the embodied carbon of those materials, where they're coming from. So can you explain the process of producing insulation from hemp and how is it different from these traditional methods that we just talked about? Yeah, so hemp's a really, industrial hemp in particular, mm -hmm. is a really incredible plant. Um, uh, you know, it was historically the cash crop in America. There was, I think there was a point in time that you, you actually had to farm um, industrial hemp, which is pretty fascinating. Um, the Healthy Materials Lab from Parsons New School has a really great uh, podcast series on, you know, on industrial hemp and its many uses for building. Um, but for us to produce it, so we work with um, a decortication partner um, and they work directly with the farmers. And we've gone to the farms to see these materials grown. And so the process is that these farmers, it takes about 90 days to actually grow um, the industrial hemp fibers. So you see these quick turnovers. It's a really great regenerative crop. Um, and so the material grows and it goes to a decortication process. Hemp fiber being really strong and durable, it, it goes and it lays out in the field after it's grown for a little bit. It goes through something called redding. Um, after that kind of dries and rets and softens a little bit, then it goes to the decortication facility where they break apart the industrial hemp into the fibers that we use for our non-woven technology. It can be into herd, which is used for hempcrete, which is another building material with um, hemp, um, it can go into fibers for clothing, animal bedding, all of these great multi-purpose uses uh, for the plant. 
Um, and then we transport that um, from those local agricultural areas within 600 miles of our new manufacturing facility. We just opened up a few weeks ago, which is very exciting. Yeah, um, congrats on that. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, it looks really great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, onward and upward. Um, and from there, we use a uh, something called Airlay non-woven technology. And so those fibers get mixed with like a polyester binder. It's at 90% hemp. Um, and it goes through this low grade, kind of think like an easy bake oven type of machine. Um, and they spin all these fibers together and then it uh, lays down flat into bat form. And then we're able to cut it from there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's how we produce insulation from hemp. <laughs> And that's like a little different from other materials, especially conventional ones, because a yeah. lot of conventional insulations um, can be pretty extractive. Uh, you know, spray foam uh, is a bunch of different chemicals. Fiberglass is, uh, you know, uses recycled materials, yes, but is uh, is sprayed with a lot of different toxic materials and kind of an, another labor-intensive process. Um, mineral wool is also, you know, it's made from bio-based materials. It's made from rock, but essentially you have to power um an oven to the heat of a volcano to create those materials which is pretty uh fascinating because then that's a very high carbon impact there on those materials well everyone is talking about carbon capturing carbon reducing so mm -hmm. how do you think um, capturing carbon dioxide relates to hemp detectors products yeah, so kind of going back to that embodied carbon thought uh, process of our materials is what is the, uh, an, another word that they use for it is um, cradle to cradle, right? So where is this material coming from and uh, where does it go back to? You know, it doesn't necessarily require a lot of water, which is pretty fascinating. So when we went uh, out to Montana to our raw materials supplier out there, um, we went to some of the farms and, you know, this is a very dry space. Um, so mm -hmm. you're seeing this material being grown super tall. It doesn't require a lot of water. Um, it's estimated that uh, industrial hemp fibers um, uh, uh, not soak up, uh, but essentially they sequester carbon. And it's estimated between like a little over nine tons of CO2 per acre grown. So that's a lot of carbon being absorbed by this plant that gets stored inside those fibers and then stored inside your wall. So you're using essentially this carbon negative material because all of the carbon lives inside of that fiber. Um, and then, yeah, that, that impact in and of yeah. itself, right? You're, well, that's you're, great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Your, your, your home's performance with energy efficiency with high performing materials. Um, but another bonus on top of that is a carbon negative, carbon neutral material. And we're also using um, about 75% uh, renewable energy resources at our manufacturing plant. So solar, mm -hmm. hydro, mm -hmm. wind, um, we're part of Idaho's green power plan. So, you know, we're, we're doing our best to make sure that we stay true to that mission. And that's a better planet for people. Yeah. Uh, a better world for people on planet. <laughs> well, when I was telling my friends and colleagues, like I was doing an interview with you, they were like, but uh, how they're making hemp isolation, does that smell? Mm. And I was like, no, yeah. industrial industrial hemp has no smell. Yeah. <laughs> so, it has, you know, it smells like probably closer to hay, if anything, yeah. grass. Yeah. Um, 
some people say it like reminds them of like a farm almost um you know and that smell doesn't linger in the house it 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 eventually goes it dissipates um but it is pretty amazing to see you know um maddie need our our founder and ceo started this company in 2012 as a dorm room idea and he was really looking for natural building methods and kind of looked to europe because europe didn't have um you know that that government aspect right like losing all the citronets losing all of that material and um, was really inspired by all the bio-based building uh, like methods that are out there and uh, started reintroducing that into the states and people at first were like oh my god you're high like you must be smoking this stuff you got to be crazy building with that no way and um 2018 happens here in the states and they legalize uh hemp grow uh hemp grown materials in the states and a lot of farmers turn to cbd and um you know that in that is a little different than industrial hemp so industrial hemp has little to no cannabinoids um, and cannabinoids are the materials that we see in cbds or thcs or all the other recreational um hemp that we associate that word with and they're they're essentially the same plant just kind of well actually they're more like cousin plants so they grow a little differently um and industrial hemp doesn't have those those uh cannabinoids um very strong durable fiber has a lot of different multi-purpose end use so food clothing insulation animal bedding oils uh animal feed um uh, there's people using uh, really, really tiny granular pieces uh, for bioplastics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not just insulation that's really regenerating farmland. It's um, all of the potential that this material, this plant has use for. And so I think in the States in particular, we're still kind of in the phase of finding the right seed genetics, but also finding all the great Um, and building out all the great manufacturing to develop these products. And how do you ensure the sustainability and quality of the products? Yeah, another great question. (laughs) Um, So we pride ourselves a lot on um, ensuring high quality um, materials. We, We... here at Habitecture, we particularly work with key research partnerships. Um, one being the University of Idaho's College of Natural Resources. We're working with them to uh, find a, VO- well, we have actually found it, um, and we'll be adding it to our manufacturing line, is a VOC-free and natural fire retardant agent. Um, and so that'll be on our our product line here shortly. We're working on all the testing and everything with third-party labs. And then another partnership that we also have is with uh, the Department of Energy's Oak Ridge National Lab, which is really cool because they have some of the most incredible machinery there to, you know, test the performance of our materials while also being able to test the, the, the carbon impact of what our insulation is for building and product development and then so these these key partnerships along with um you know all of these um you know our advisors and and different people in the community our raw material supplier um we are working very diligently and closely to ensure that our products are not only just like the the best option for people but also um ensuring that we do the work to validate that 
And are you working with architects, builders, contractors to promote the use of um, and raise awareness of the benefits of hemp yeah, in installation? Definitely. So, um, you know, hemp textures, uh, main people are the builders and the designers and the architects. We work a lot with the home buyers and homeowners as well. Um, people that are uh, people that find us generally are choosing materials that are more sustainable and healthy. Um, but the building industry, it can be a little slower uh, to introduce new materials. There's a lot of resistance to change, um, especially when people aren't sure about how a material performs. And that's fair because you want to um, work with what you trust. And so we're working hard to build that trust, but also educate people on the importance of environmental impact on their materials and in their homes and energy efficiency and all of that great stuff. Um, you know, what we see a lot is uh, people just don't always have enough time, whether that's uh, time to research, time um, supply chain wise, if they're waiting for materials to arrive, uh, you know, costs um, and all of these other factors that kind of lead to a lot of these industry professionals reusing the same specs. And that includes just keeping with the materials that they know. Um, so we're trying to, uh, you know, uh, get in touch with these people sooner, um, introduce our materials, show the work that we're doing, our research, um, and, and not just show them like hemp wool for insulation, uh, for, for insulation, but also just introduce them to other products and, um, you know, other building science methods that they can do to, um, you know, make that home or building the most comfortable, um, high-performing space it can be. And how do you feel about the future of hemp insulation? Yeah, Is it so going exciting. to reach more customers? <laughs> I mean, you can make a comparison um, yeah. because you started in, in 2012, so you're yeah. operational for, for 10 years now. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's Hempitecture has pivoted many times in the last 10 years. Um, we originally started with Hempcrete, um, many people that are enthusiasts about hemp or very curious about natural building methods have probably heard about hempcrete. Uh, and that is a very time and labor intensive material to work with. Um, it is very exquisite and it actually absorbs carbon. Um, it absorbs, I'm not even going to give the number because I can't think of it properly right now, uh, but it does actually absorb carbon uh, during its drying process in the wall. So Although it has the Crete name attached to it, it is a uh, non-structural, non-load-bearing material. So I just wanted to throw that out there for people that are interested. Like, oh, can I use it for roads? We can't use it for roads. But it does replace your entire wall system, right? So you've got your structure built. You've got this hempcrete that does your insulation. It does your drywall, all that great stuff. Um, but so Maddie spent, oh God, almost 10 years traveling around the, the in our a, variant parts of our team traveling around the U.S. building these really beautiful hempcrete buildings. Um, but it really wasn't a sustainable vision for the company because you can't uh, do these custom product or you could do these custom projects, um, but not everybody has the time or the money for that. And so that's where hemp wool came into play as it became this more scalable option for us of um, something that's accessible for people, something that um, we can develop a localized supply chain as well as um, 
you know, it is so easy for people to work with. Anybody can work with this material. It's amazing. Um, and it's safe enough for people to touch and handle. And so you don't need these specialized teams. You don't need um, special equipment for it. Uh, you know, we're getting some great photos back of like a dad cutting the materials and his children are, are pressing it into the wall. And so... And it's totally uh, safe. It's totally safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we're definitely working to grow. Uh, it, again, that that building industry is slow and stubborn and in all the most understandable ways. And so we're just trying to do the research, make sure we have all of our coding and testing in place. And then um, from there, we'll uh, just, just keep backing away at the industry, you know, and our, uh, th this material does go beyond just construction, which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that are van lifers, DIYers, um, renovations is going to be something that we see is huge. Um, a lot of the buildings that exist today will still be here in 2050. And so, um, in, a try in trying to achieve those climate goals, we're going to have to renovate and improve our energy efficiency as a home. Um, and yeah, so we, we've opened up our manufacturing line in Idaho. We're able to produce, I think, something around 20 million square feet a year out of that one manufacturing facility. We have our key raw material suppliers in place. Um, and we recently won a um, uh, half a million through Grow New York, which is an ag tech competition. So we'll be expanding into the Northeast. Um, as well as working closely with NYSERDA. And so we're we're here. We're really excited to <laughs> bring these materials to market and make them more accessible and affordable and regionally distributed because I know that can be a big hurdle for people is uh, you know, cost of cost of shipping and everything. Yeah, I hope you'll get there. Um, so my final question for you is, what are your hopes for the future of sustainability in general, not just within architecture space? Yeah, you know, I, I think for me personally, I would just love to see a healthier, uh, healthier choices made uh, by all. And, I, and with that comes that... Um, we see these uh, in bought like uh, carbon negative, carbon neutral materials being um, kind of the choice product, if you will. If we're, we're speaking in terms of of products, then um, you know when people go to a home building store, if they go to the grocery store, it, it just makes sense to see these uh, materials that are using a lot of plastics or fossil fuels or. Um, anything of the sort. So I really, I really look forward to seeing the world kind of take these steps into something more circular, reusable. Um, you know, uh, to embrace innovations more quickly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, and to have the government stand by that too, to help support support not only that vision but also just strides in making that a possibility for us all. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Joni. This has been wonderful. I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. So thank you again for being a part of Green New Perspective uh, podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you guys have any questions, uh, you can find us at hempatexture.com um, or by hempwool.com. Uh, um, 
And yeah, thank you again so much for having us. Thank you to everybody listening in and being really curious about sustainability and healthy materials. Um, we look forward to uh, building a, a better future for all with, with everybody here. Yeah, thank, thanks again, Joni. See ya. Thank you once again for tuning in to Green New Perspective, a podcast where we explore the latest trends and developments in the clean tech and nature tech space. So we hope you found today's conversation with Joni from Hempitecture informative and hopefully thought-provoking. Um, if you want to stay up to date with our latest episodes and get access to our back catalog, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a comment or a review. We would really appreciate that. Your feedback helps us to improve the show and reach a wider audience. Um, together, we can create a greener, more sustainable future. So don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues who are also interested in clean tech and nature tech. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of Green New Perspective. Bye.